this morning. Um, just, I just thought we'd just, you know, we often talk about heavy, serious things, and so I just thought I'd kind of take a bit of more of a lighter approach and uh, talk to you about healing rejection wounds. <laughs> yeah. Why not? That was what I was thinking. Yeah. You know what? Uh, rejection just seems to be a, a common thing in life. If you've ever been a teenager, uh, anyone here ever been a teenager? Yeah. Um, no, some just skipped over that phase. You know, but it's something that we kind of face. It's probably a word that we use. Maybe you go for a job interview. Oh, I didn't get accepted. I felt rejected. You try to fit into a, 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 a family kind of group or a school group or something like that. Those kind of feelings. And it's can be like a normal part of life, but for some people, the wounding of that rejection can go much, much deeper and cause a wound that kind of carries on throughout life and ends up not just impacting the immediate rel- the relationships in that moment where that rejection wound happened, but then kind of carries on from one relationship to the next to the next and doesn't allow us to kind of deeply connect. Um, I'll say for me, I've had rejection wounds. Um, my last prayer ministry time that I had, uh, you know, kind of God really revealed um, in me, even in the womb, where I responded to uh, scenarios that were happening and, uh, and, and chose to kind of disconnect and really say, well, I'm going to, I don't feel like anyone's going to look after me, so I've got to look after myself. Uh, and in that place, there's a, there can be a wound of rejection that comes in because it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not accepted, I'm not really loved, I'm not really cared for, and so I have to look after myself. And then seeing, even just in slight little ways, how that carried throughout my life. Um, I've been um, a part of, of a prayer ministry journey with a number of people, even just recently, and it feels like God's really bringing up uh, this issue of rejection, of where we've uh, rejected ourselves even, where we feel that rejection wound from, from people in life. And so I just feel like God's, uh, and I'm just really excited for him to do a healing work this morning. So, uh, and maybe for you, you felt like, oh, no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty secure in myself. And I'm not trying to tell you that you've got something. Um, but even as I share, you might kind of go, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe there is some stuff, you know. Uh, and again, to, to separate the, the difference between I had an experience of rejection where that person or that, those people actually rejected me. You know, that can be part of life and you really can't control another person's acceptance of you. Even if you try really, 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 really hard to be all that you think that that person or those people want you to be, they can still choose to not accept you. Okay? So that can be part of life, but that wounding that comes and often... It comes in, in childhood kind of scenarios where we respond to life by feeling I've been rejected and it causes a wounding that we live out. And it's something that I just believe God wants to fill that space and deal with that wound. And because God wants you to know the fullness of His acceptance. And the reality is that as we engage with humanity, as we engage in relationships in life, it's always a, a picture and an image of our connection and relationship with God. So even... The marriage covenant, the marriage environment, husband and wife coming together is a picture that Paul talks about, the Apostle Paul, of, of Jesus and his bride, the church. So we have all throughout creation, even how we relate to one another is kind of this, can be this imagery of us and God. But it means that when we have broken, disconnected relationships on earth, that can naturally feed into our perspective of Father God. So it doesn't allow us to fully receive his acceptance because that wound needs to be healed. Otherwise, it kind of festers and stays alive. So rejection essentially is the opposite of acceptance. If I'm not accepted, then I'm rejected. And it's a a thing that happens in our heart. That's really where the the seed of whether I'm accepted or I'm rejected, that's where that wounding uh, can be caused in our life. And the hard thing is that our heart beliefs will always ultimately override our head belief. So I know people and I've journeyed with people that would come into Christian community and just be so abundantly loved on. Like people pursue them, love them, accept them, welcome them, speak words of life over them, hug them, do all of those sorts of things. And yet they constantly feel disconnected. They constantly feel like, feel rejected. They constantly feel like I'm not accepted and there's nowhere where I'm accepted. Because in their heart, they don't believe that they're acceptable. In their heart, they believe that they're rejectable. 
So even the experience of life can be the complete opposite of that. They can know in their mind, they can read the Bible and say, well, I believe that God accepts me. I look at the cross and I see the finished work of Jesus and what he did in order to bring acceptance to me. And yet unknowingly in my heart, I live every day with this feeling like I'm not acceptable. I'm rejectable. You may have heard me use the, the phrase cognitive dissonance, uh, which essentially is a, is a term that means when we, when we think one way and yet our experience is the opposite of that. So I think, I think this is what should happen or this is you know, what truth is and yet my experience is the opposite. So I can have cognitive dissonance when I say, well, I, I believe that God will provide all of my needs and yet my experience might be that I'm going without. So it causes like a disconnect, a tension in our thought life. But I, I thought of the word like cardiac dissonance, which I just made up. Um, but cardiac, you know, cardiac being the heart, that sometimes for us is like this can be a, a disconnect between what I believe in my heart and what I experience in life. And they can go both ways. But ultimately, where, what we believe is at the heart level. But often we get so caught up in what we think and what we know should be right. And we say, well, I know this is the truth, but I feel this. But we kind of lean on, but I just know that it's the truth, so I'll just believe that. But you can't just convince yourself if your heart is locked into a particular way of believing. So it, uh, essentially, cardiac dissonance is when, I, when what I believe about myself doesn't match up with my experience. So that example that I use where I'm in a loving environment, maybe I'm in a loving marriage or a loving family, and yet I don't feel accepted in that place. And there's nothing that anyone can do to change that. So when we have rejection wounds, even the most loving and accepting environments aren't safe because we'll be drawn to the areas of rejection rather than all of the areas of acceptance. You can find that in church community. It's like, well, I know this person loves me, that person, but that one person or that one time or that one, you know, the, the rejection gets highlighted, not, not the abundance of acceptance. And rejection wounds are like a homing device seeking out rejection in order to satisfy those internal belief systems. It highlights the relationships where we're not accepted. And this is the thing, so if I have a, a wound in my heart that says that I'm not acceptable, that I'm rejectable, essentially, that's what I believe about myself, no one accepts me, then I'm going to be drawn and it's going to highlight those areas in my life where that's the case. And it's going to kind of blow them up, essentially, and make them bigger. So what are some of the roots of rejection that can happen in our life? So often, I think it's, it can be rooted in childhood experiences. And these experiences are actual or perceived. Okay? So it doesn't matter if you grew up, you could grow up in the most loving and accepting environment, but there could have been one word that your dad said or one word that your mom said, and you interpreted that, you perceived their behavior as rejection. You might have that memory that one time and I came into, into my dad's study and he was working hard and he just was too busy. And I said, Dad, I need this. Can I do this? He's like, son, just get out of here. I'm busy, you know. And that's like, oh, wow, I needed my dad. And he wasn't, in your dad's mind, he's just like, I'm just trying to finish off this paperwork and I'll come and see you in a minute, son. But, you know, he, he responds in a way and that could be a simple thing that causes a wound. Now, is that the rejection of a father to a son? No, it's just a frustrated father busy doing paperwork. But the perception from that child is that that's what it was. I was rejected in that moment. Okay? So we need to understand that um, when, particularly when we're children or even as adults, our perception of a situation can be as damaging as what actually happened in that situation. Okay? Really important to understand. And particularly, I think, as we become adults and we, we look at our parents, maybe we go, oh, but they're so loving and so accepting, oh, oh, you know, Clearly, I got it wrong or that's, you know, I understand now as an adult that my dad was just busy and it was a stressful time financially. But the child version of you in the experience there, that's the reality that the child experienced. And if that's where the wounding came in, then that wounding needs to be healed. Okay. Now, for those of you who have done Elijah House training or heard enough, you would understand this is kind of one of the things that we deal with uh, in Elijah House. But so it can be rooted then in childhood experience where, where we've actually been rejected or we've perceived that rejection has happened. Um, for some of us, it's life experience. Maybe where we've gone on through, through one relationship or one group of friends or whatever it might be, just through just constantly this kind of stream of, of being rejected one time after another time after another time. 
Now, this can still be rooted in childhood where we have a, what we call a bitter root expectancy. So I have, a, I have an expectation then that I'm going to be rejected. And so then we find that that happens in relationship because we defile the relationships that we engage in. Because for us, it's like, it actually makes sense to me. If I believe that I should be rejected, that I'm not acceptable, it makes sense when people reject me. It kind of proves my point. So I'm going to look out and maybe even push things and push relationships to the limit so that people will respond in a way that rejects me. I go, see, told you. I was at this church and they didn't receive me and they didn't accept me, so I, oh, they're, they're rejected me. So oh, well, I'll leave there and I'll go to this place. And then, oh, see, same thing happened again. What is wrong with the church? You know, they can't accept me and they're so rude and they're this and that or whatever. <laughs> and this can be the problem that if when we carry around that wound, that it follows us from place to place to place. But that life experience kind of compounds that belief system. It, it's, a, it's a foundational lie that we can believe about ourselves, but then it gets built upon with experiential lies, which makes it really hard to identify. Because I want, well, yeah, maybe I felt like I was rejected as a child, but look at my life, Brad. I'll, I'll, I'll write a timeline of all the times in my life where I've been rejected. And you want to tell me that it's my fault? <laughs> look, this person rejected me, then before then there was those people, and then it was this person. So yeah, but if the wounds started right back then... <laughs> It's carried, they've just been the ones that have provoked it in you. So how we respond to feelings of rejection determines the impact that it has on us throughout our lives. So if we have a moment of rejection, it's like, oh, I just feel, I don't feel accepted in this place or this by this person. How we respond to that is incredibly important. Because if we respond to that and say, See, I, I judge that person as being someone who would reject me and I make an inner vow, see, no one's going to ever accept me. And then I have a, a bitter root expectancy that I'm going to live life and life is just going to be one rejection after the other. I make decisions then in how I respond to life. And my decisions then lock me into a particular way of believing. And so then naturally my experience of life is going to follow on from that. And if, if I walk around with a rejection wound, it's almost like there's a tension in me that's saying what I believe isn't my experience because people are accepting me and they're loving me. So it feels uncomfortable to be loved. Has anyone ever felt uncomfortable to be loved? I have. It's like, these people are loving me. This is dangerous. <laughs> this is a really dangerous place. In reality, it's the safest place because you're fully accepted by them. But in, your, in the belief system that we're operating, and it says, no, no, no. When people reject me, then I feel safe because then my belief systems are affirmed. We're wacky people, aren't we? Again, for some of us, it becomes then a thing of self-rejection. Well, I don't even accept me. Because I go, so well, if no one else is accepting me and I'm not acceptable, then I don't even want to be me. So if we reject ourselves and how we then live out of our lives, this can lead into all sorts of other negative things, which I'll talk about in terms of where we then try and be somebody else in order to find acceptance. So there can be other roots, but they're just some of the roots that, uh, that can cause it in our life. So what are the, some of the negative effects of someone living with deep rejection wounds? Well, essentially, relationships aren't safe when we have a rejection wound in our heart. It's not safe for us, and it's also not safe for other people. It's not safe for those who are in relationship with you. Like, I can, I can, I've, I've learned to, to kind of sniff out rejection wounds um, faster these days. I don't mean sniff out like in a negative way, but you just sense that thing in it. And for me, it makes me uncomfortable because I'm like, if that wound doesn't get dealt with, at some point, you're going to blow up at me <laughs> and blame me for all of your wounding. And that's unsafe. <clears throat> so it's not just like, well, I, I can't feel safe because I'm not going to be accepted here. But then all of those people that you're going to blame for not feeling accepted, they're going to potentially cop it one day, depending on how you deal with your rejection. So rejection is like someone, you know, walking around with a loaded gun. <laughs> You're just kind of waiting for it to go off. You know, it's that, that's kind of how it operates. It's, it's going to blow up at some stage if it's not healed. And unfortunately, rejection is a proximity wound. Like it, it targets those that are closest to us. Because they're the ones that actually push below the surface. They're the ones that maybe I'll, I open up a bit just to see if maybe this person's going to be a safe one for me. But it means then whoever's closest is the one that's going to cop it the worst. 
Hallelujah, they're getting married. Another negative impact of rejection wounds is that rejection keeps us from deep intimacy. So if we think about the word intimacy, it's into me, see. Into me, see. When you start to see into those places. So when we engage in intimacy, people, are, are, they have an insight into who we really are. But the problem is with rejection, it's like if you knew who I really was, you wouldn't accept me. So I can't, I can't engage in deep intimacy because that means it's just going to, it's going to like shortcut to rejection. <laughs> so I shut down because then I'm like, well, at least then if people don't know me, they can't reject me. And yet I live in a constant state of rejection then. I put here, if God is your only safe place, this sometimes I find it's like, oh, well, well, God doesn't reject me. So I just kind of hide away in God and I don't engage in any relationships. And this can be a, you know, like a, a, of kind of prophetic things sometimes for people because they feel like well well god's safe and me and god are good but relationships oh no people aren't safe so i won't connect with them but i i would um i wonder in those times when i have conversations with people if they actually really know god's acceptance and his love because you can hear his voice and you can obey what he says and you can do all of those sorts of things but do you really feel his acceptance or are you kind of on the outside of the door listening in, hearing, oh, God said this, okay, I'm going to go and do this, and then I come back and God said this, but I haven't ever, ever actually entered into that place where he sees me, all of me as I am. Because we, have, we, we feel like God affirms the spiritual gift on our life. And so we can operate in the spiritual gifting, we can operate supernaturally and do all of those things, but even as Jesus said uh, to you know, people who come to me, and Lord, we, we did this, we, we prophesied in your name, we healed people, we did all of these things, and Jesus is like, but I never knew you. So if you think from the outside, looking at those people doing all of those amazing works, you'd say, man, they are like super Christians. They're casting out demons, they're prophesying, they're doing all of these amazing signs and wonders, and yet from Jesus' perspective, it's like, I don't, I don't know you. Because that fear of intimacy keeps people from hard engagement with the Lord. Going good? One of the other issues and, uh, and potential issues with rejection is that rejection becomes projection. Rejection always turns into projection. So we blame other people for our feelings of rejection. And this defiles our relationships. We create scenarios often that align with our rejection. This, is, this was me. There would be times in my life where it's almost like I'm presented with an opportunity, like a situation where I put my need out, but I'm like, but I know that if people don't meet my need, because I've exposed myself now and I've hey, let people know, hey, just here I am. Come and meet me in my place of need or my place of desire, whatever it might be. But part of me goes, but you know what? I bet you they won't. And it almost feel good when they don't, which is really weird. <laughs> but if they don't, I'll feel, I'll feel safe because it'll end the turmoil in me that says, I'm not, I'm not acceptable. People are going to reject me. It's weird, but it was like little subtle things. And this was in my prayer ministry session, four hours and 10 minutes. It's a good one. Um, but little things and little memories that would come up. Oh, I remember that time and, and, I, and I did that, but I could have I responded this way, but it was almost like, no, no, I'm just going to disconnect. Or someone would, I'd put an idea and someone would receive, whatever it might be, and then I would just kind of shut down. And, uh, and people close to me would even say, you know, it's almost like I'd become like a little child. Now, I wouldn't like, you know, stuff you lot, you know, going to, I'm taking my cricket bat and going home, you know. It was... But it was like, but pardon me, I just would, I'd just retreat in and be like, see, I knew it. I knew that that's what happened, what would happen. Birthdays for me would often be that hard time. I don't know if anyone here struggles with birthdays, but it's almost like, because there would be an expectation of Christmas Eve, and there'd be an expectation of what it's going to be like, and the ways that I'm going to be loved on that day. And yet the, the, the idea that, but I know it's not going to happen and again, another year is going to go past where I'm going to have this expectation that I'm going to be loved and poured into and it doesn't happen. But the problem is even if it does, it still doesn't meet that need because the rejection wound is so active. 
We can never receive healing or find connection because the wound follows us wherever we go. So it's like, see that person rejected me again. See those people rejected me again. I'm the one walking around with the wound. Another issue is that rejection wounds create performance orientation. And in two different ways, I believe. So we all know performance orientation is essentially that I perform for acceptance. That's an Elijah House term, but we say when I perform for for God's acceptance, for people's acceptance, I am oriented towards performing in order to receive that. So our sense of safety is based upon sometimes how I perform, because I learn that, well, if I perform in this particular way, these people will accept me. This is often in in friendship groups at school. You know, you get some kids and they're just just happy to be whoever. They just do their own thing and they're, you know, happy and free. And your other kids, normal kids, uh, like me, um, I was normal. I really was. Um, But it'd be like, okay, I'll, 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 I'll try and be this. And I I used to find myself, I was always behind the trend. It's kind of like people got into skateboarding. I'm I'm not really into skateboarding, but eventually they're like, okay, I'll get into skateboarding because everyone's into skateboarding because then I'll feel connected, you know? Then it'll be like, oh, no, we're not into skateboarding. We're into bodyboarding now. So, okay. And then I'm like, man, I really hate going, I'll get seasick sitting out in the ocean, you know? Like, and I get waterlogged ears. Okay, but I'll do it, you know? And and I always found myself trying to find acceptance in that way. So sometimes we perform for acceptance, But often the other side is where we project that onto other people and essentially they perform in order to make me feel accepted. So our sense of safety is based upon how other people perform. Are they safe? Do they say all of the right things? When I ask something, do they say yes? When I put my need out, do they always meet it? Not just in the right, you know, kind of way, but in the right timing, with the right words, to the right degree, all of those sorts of things. So when their performance is not up to our standard, then our rejection wounds cause us to actually reject them. So I will push you away because you're unsafe, because you're not performing to my needs of acceptance. Now the problem is nobody can perform to that level because they're not perfect. They can't read your mind. Um, but as well, it's still there's a wound there. So some, at some point, I'm going to find a way to feel rejected by you. And so people also step into their own performance orientation in order to be accepted. This can even be attached to a personal spiritual gifting or calling from God. So I know people that will go to a church, it's like, well, this person didn't receive my spiritual gift. See, they rejected me. And it's like, no, no, you're fully accepted. But you shouldn't be accepted because of your gifting. You shouldn't be accepted because of your calling. What you do in life is, is irrelevant when it comes to your acceptance. You're accepted because you're a child of God, because <laughs> you're loved by God and you're loved by people, because someone chooses you in relationship. That's where your acceptance lies. But again, often if we don't feel accepted internally, it's like, well, I know I can use the tools that are at my disposal in order to make people accept me. I found this. I didn't have a fun kind of teenage years. Just relationally, I found myself always uh, disconnected. When I started going to church when I was 16, um, again, I was super socially awkward. I could barely hold a conversation with people. Um, I know that you may be thinking, really? Can't shut you up. Um, but I was. And, but what I found is that when I would do stuff for people, I had like, I was kind of a jack of all trades, so I could do lots of things. And people started to praise my doing. And it was like, Brad, he's like, he can do it. Oh, wow, and he did this. And I would like, you know, someone would give me a job to do it, and I would do it to the best of my ability. Like, I would, it would be spectacular because I'd feel like, and then they're going to praise me, and they're going to accept me. And literally, I got the name, like, when I started, you know, even in pastoral ministry at 21, it was like, Brad's, he's like pastor of everything. And he could do this, you want to, you know, he's the, he's the, he can, I remember I moved a Coke machine on my own one time, you know, like a big Coke machine, and I, I'm going to do this, and I came in, and I did it, and um, I still do stuff like that, but that's just because I'm, um, impatient <laughs> yeah because yeah, i'm buff no no because i'm impatient but um i'm learning i've realized i just i've been getting injured recently in indoor soccer so i'm realizing i gotta i gotta start slowing down um but i would and so then it became my identity as this person that could get stuff done i was the get stuff done guy and thankfully over over a couple of years god started to really strip that away and uh, and deal with my heart in that area but um yeah, now it's like I can't do stuff for performance orientation. It's weird. I feel like, oh, man, like uh, I feel like I should do that, so I'm just not going to do it, which is um, 
Anyway. So rejection wounds can cause us to judge someone's behavior but miss their heart or their character. I know I've felt like that sometimes in relationships and where people have, um, have, have rejected me as a person or um, blamed me for all of this stuff. Where it's like, but you've completely missed, that's not who I am. Almost like you rejected me and you did this and you did that and you did this and you did that. Almost like maliciously, I've sought out to cause someone pain. And yet if you would ask the question, is that the kind of person I am? Well, I'm not. Like, I've never, well, no, I've yelled at one person before. <coughs> my wife knows, not my wife. I got cut off recently and almost caused an accident. I had my kids in the car and, and the person didn't stop then. I had to literally just swerve off the road and up the curb and they, they just drove away. So I hunted them down. <laughs> I didn't have a gun. I didn't even imagine that I did in this time. I, I had these two guns, but that was about it. So. <laughs> I don't do those jokes anyway. So the pain we feel is significantly greater than what you might assume the behavior of the other person would cause. Sometimes it's like a, it's like a little thing that happens in a relationship and this person feels like their whole world has been shattered and you've rejected them and done all of these things. It's like, Really? I just thought I said no to, to a request or I, you know, I didn't, I didn't follow you up in the way that I could have or maybe should have, you know, like, but it becomes kind of exploded and expanded in this way. So we end up judging someone's behavior rather than looking at their heart or their character or even their history of how they've treated us. So rejection works against covenant. This is a big issue. Covenant chooses regardless of circumstance. So in covenant relationships, we choose to be in relationship with a person regardless of their behavior or the circumstance. But rejection chooses on the basis of circumstance. So covenant chooses regardless. Regardless of who you are and how you behave, I choose you. Whereas rejection says, regardless of who you are or how you behave, well, that's, everything is about who you are and how you behave. How you treat me determines whether or not I stay in relationship with you. Which again is why often people with a rejection wound, when it comes to church environment, they'll, they'll be there for a bit and they'll go. So, no, wasn't accepted here. They didn't, I came once, they didn't call me. I didn't do this, you know, because it's, it's everyone else's responsibility to manage my relationships. <clears throat> I'm not going to go there. All right. But this is the thing of covenant. So in covenant relationships, says, I choose you, this is marriage. Marriage is, you know, the, the marriage kind of covenant, the vows that we make. I know they've kind of modernized version of it, but like, you know, uh, till death do us part, for better, for worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. Like it kind of covers all of the scenarios that would say, so I covenant to you regardless of whether you're sick or healthy, regardless of this and that or whatever. Like literally, when you die, then I'm out. <laughs> okay, that's the, that's, the only, that's the only way to come out. Now, when I say this, please understand, I understand that there's, in relationship, other people can break covenant, and so that gives us, you know, this openness there. I'm not trying to lock you into a legal kind of framework of, oh, well, this, you know, you're in an abusive marriage, and so, well, I have to say, because I made vows, I'm not, I'm not saying any of that. That's a whole other sermon, but if you're in that situation, come and talk to us, obviously. Um, but essentially, in covenant, it says, no, no, I make the choice to connect to you. So in, I would say in this church, there's many relationships that I've developed and they would not have lasted because of the wounding that happened in the relationship if covenant commitment hadn't been there. It says actually, and that's what covenant does, it says, you're treating me poorly, but because I choose you and I choose this relationship and I choose to love you, we're going to work this out. And that's where you find confrontation, which is, which is an imperative in relationship. If you, you're like, oh, I don't do confrontation. It's like, you ain't going to do relationship well then. You have to do confrontation. And that's the problem. It's like, well, I'll just avoid confrontation and move out. Well, then you're breaking covenant with people and you don't understand covenant. What, what if the Lord did that to us? In all of your sin and all of your brokenness, he says, no, no, it's not up to your behavior. I choose you. I've covenanted with you. So you can behave however you want. It doesn't change my choice. Now, if you are abusive and you these sorts of things, then that's a different kind of story, but that's not the basis of my choosing. So 
So rejection wounds can cause us to interpret other people's responses as rejection. So it might be something someone in authority in your life says no to you. I asked and it took so much courage for me to ask and they said no. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm rejected and they hate me. And you know, someone who you look up to doesn't respond to you in the way that you're expecting them to. Well, I came up to that person, I tried to start a conversation, but then they just kind of seemed to ignore me, you know, and, and, and face the other way and keep going on. It's like, yeah, maybe they rejected you because they don't like you, or maybe they were just already in the middle of a conversation, they gave an acknowledgement, and then they carried on in what they're already doing. Do you know how we can just interpret situations and scenarios? You know, when it comes to relationship, if I set a boundary in a relationship because the person has been abusive, it's not about rejecting them, it's about respecting me. If we're in covenant relationship and I say, actually, you can't talk to me like that, and no, you can't call me at any time of the day and night, and no, you can't, you can't go around saying those things about it, it's not okay. And I'm putting down a boundary. It's not because I'm rejecting you, because I'm respecting me. I don't deserve to be treated that way. So I'm going to say, actually, that, that can't carry on. In covenant relationship, that, that doesn't work. Abusive behavior doesn't work. We good? All right. What are some of the bad ways to deal with rejection wounds? Here's bad ways. Number one, completely disconnect from all relationships. You're probably not going to find healing for your rejection wound if you just completely disconnect from everyone. I'm just going to go out in the desert and live on my own as a hermit and I'll be sweet. <laughs> no rejection out there. Um, Except when then a dingo comes past and you're like, oh, hi, dingo, and it runs away. And you're oh, no, even the dingoes have rejected me. It's one way to, uh, uh, one bad way to deal with rejection. There's another bad way is to become a relational chameleon. Is to step into people pleasing. Some of us from childhood, we learn that I have to be who other people want me to be in order to feel accepted. And it's literally not just like, I become one person, I, I become different people, a different person to every single other person that I'm in relationship with. I just mold to my environment. In this environment, I'm loud. In this environment, I'm quiet. With these people, I'm like this. With these people, I'm like this. And we just bounce back and forth and we get stuck in this place. And it kind of feels a bit like, oh, like I feel kind of accepted. But the reality is you've stepped into control and manipulation to try and be someone that you're not in order to feel accepted, which ain't going to happen because your acceptance can never be put in someone else's hands. So in doing this, we, re we place the responsibility of our feeling of acceptance in someone else's hands. We become irresponsible with our acceptance. And this makes other people unsafe and also leads into why we blame other people. People-pleasing... This thing, people pleasing is, is a big issue because it means that there's not acceptance. Now, Paul says, oh, I want to be all things to all people so that by any means I might, you know, win them for Christ. That's not what we're talking about. We're not, not talking about contextualizing the gospel and, you know, changing your language in order to, you know, connect with people in a particular way. You know, I can think of just in the last couple of days, just being around people and they're, they're of a different culture than me in terms of just even an Australian culture. And so I'm like, I'm not going to talk with the same language and, and behave in the same ways, not because I really want them to like me. It's like, well, I don't want them to think that I'm some weird Christian or some jerk or whatever, because I love them and I want to create connection and relationship. You know, that's not what we're talking about, because that's not, if they don't like me and they don't receive me, I'm like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> but because I love them, I, I, I want to connect and I want to build relationship. Another bad way to deal with rejection is to blame everyone else for how you feel or for not accepting you because the problem is you cannot accept somebody who views themselves as unacceptable like you can't win that argument with somebody I've, I've had people in relationship and i'm like i love you so much and you're so accepted here I'm like i know but they just can't receive it because there's a there's a wound It'd be like if I had a broken arm and trying to play tennis with someone. But no, nah, I just believe you can hit the ball. I can, I'm, I'm really trying, but, you know, like it's, not, it's just not working. So we need to understand. But that's the thing. If, if, you're, if you're finding someone and they're kind of responding in those ways, there's usually a deeper root there. And when that root is dealt with, all of a sudden it's just like brought into relationship. And so that's why it's important that not only that we take responsibility for our own wounding, but we, we view people through those eyes to say, even when they're rejecting me, it's not 
it's not necessarily a behavioral issue it's because they're wounded and they don't know how to receive love because it can be really frustrating it's like man i've loved this person so much still they're running off and disconnecting and doing all these things i'm fed up yeah? because we think that i'm doing all that i can and yet they're not accepting you know they're not feeling accepted and loved and all that sort of stuff so it's just because they're wounded and broken so look through compassionate eyes to people a rejection wound is pervasive and will continue to plague someone until it's healed even when we learn to manage it if the wound isn't healed it will pop up in some way so identification is key we must recognize if we have a rejection wound before we can be healed from a rejection wound this thing otherwise we step into blame if i don't acknowledge actually there's a wound in my heart and and this is really good reason to have premise if you feel like from place to place you just never feel accepted probably because you're wounded and it's more than likely because of a childhood wound but if you don't acknowledge that and go actually it's not other people it's me i'm not saying take the blame if it's not you if you're just in bad relationships that's another thing but i'm saying if it's you own it and do your best to interpret your relationships through that lens and this is something that you know what's even more significant is that rejection wounds can cause us to behave sinfully in our blaming of other people for our rejection because it says what happened is when I was a child, this scenario happened. I responded by judging. I responded by making in a vows. I stepped into sin as a child unknowingly, but it caused me to disconnect myself from life. And now I'm going about life and I'm blaming every other person for their sin. I'm saying, you did this and you didn't love me right and you rejected me and you didn't receive me. I'm putting all this blame and I'm calling them in, into sin. I'm saying, you are sinning. And the reality is, no, no, I sinned. I stepped into sin when I was a child. I chose to sinfully respond to that situation and that scenario. And yet I'm going throughout my life putting that on everybody else. That's really ungodly behavior. And this is one of the biggest um, struggles that, and one of the things I think is missing in, in Christianity, which is why we're intentional about creating disciples, not just converts who just follow along, but you've got to take responsibility for your life. You've got to take responsibility for your heart. Stop blaming people. That's what Satan does. Satan's the accuser of the brethren. Like if someone's causing you pain, go and talk to them. Say, hey, the way that you treated me, I just found really hurtful. But take responsibility for it. Please. When we don't identify the wound, then we live in deception. We're still going. Still here. Next one, we must determine what is my wound and what is your wounding in terms of what's the the wound in me and what's your behavior that's causing me to be wounded. So listen, if I come up to somebody and I hug them and I don't realize that they've got a broken collarbone, okay? And in some, so in some measure, I would have caused them to experience pain. Yeah, I've had busted ribs for a couple of weeks and you go and you hug people, oh, that's right, I forgot about that. But if I, you know, if, if you hug them and they ah, you, oh, no, sorry, you didn't know that I've got a broken collarbone. But the fact is, if I hug them and cause them pain, did I cause the wound? Did I break their collarbone? No, I didn't. But if I didn't know that they had a broken collarbone and they didn't know they had a broken collarbone, who's going to get the blame? Me. And it's the same with a rejection wound. The pain that someone may feel if they perceive that they're being rejected can feel as though it's being caused by that person. Yet the possibility is that they're simply exposing an existing wound. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm fine. Going around my daily life, I'm fine. As long as no one touches me, I'm good. I'm not in pain. I'm happy. I could just go about life. All of a sudden, I connect with someone and they give me a hug and, ah, oh my gosh, did you see what you just did? You just caused me all of this pain because you rejected me and you did all this stuff. And it's like, really? I didn't think I did anything like that. I didn't even remember that scenario. I didn't, I, did I say that? Really? And is that, you know, and, and then when you look at it from the outside, it's like, that's not really a big deal, what I said. And say, so, hey, I'm just not too sure about this area of your heart. Oh, hey, I just wonder if you should check on this guy. Oh my gosh, the pain you've caused me. It's like, I don't think that's my wounding. 
I don't think I caused that. I think it may have been a pre-existing condition. And it makes it hard to identify for the wounded person because somebody else is always involved in the pain process. You don't often feel rejected by someone when you're alone because there's no one around to reject you. He said, when I'm in a relationship with someone, it's like they did this and I felt this pain. So it's like it's, it was them. And maybe, or maybe it was you. So if we don't recognize the wound and focus on the healing of the wound, then we'll continue to get hurt by other people. And sometimes we just need to, you know, put ourselves in a cast for a while. Let people know, hey, just let you know, don't hug me. I'm going to bust the collarbone. It's like, can you just... I, I'm just, I'm, I might respond badly to your behavior. It's just because I've got a rejection wound. <laughs> it's not your fault. But if you get close to me and I, and I blast you because you don't behave the right way, it's not you. It's all me. I'm wounded. Just letting you know. We just hand out T-shirts. Currently working on my rejection wounds. That's it. Just a warning. That's it. Yep. Currently getting healed from childhood trauma. You know, just whatever we can think of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Currently walking in deception about the fact that I have any wounding in my heart. You know. That's it. Yeah. So what does this have to do with the kingdom of God? You might be saying, well, this sounds like really good counseling session or psychology or whatever it is. Well, the, the reason why it has to do with the kingdom is because rejection works against covenant. And God is a God of covenant. So rejection breaks covenant. It, it literally wars against it. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to bring division. Stealing and killing and destroying. And the most painful things that I think in Western society that we go through is relational breakdown. Covenant chooses regardless of circumstance. As I said before, rejection chooses on the basis of circumstance. So it's an open door for the enemy to bring division. And I think that one of the greatest struggles for the Western church, at least, is not external persecution, but internal division. We're trying to win the world for Jesus, but we can't even keep our families together. Like natural and, and then and corporate church families, like division and separation and this, that, or whatever, and warring and all these sorts of things. It's just like, man, we get so caught up in, in the blame shifting and all of that sort of stuff that goes on. And that's all because people have heart wounds. And if we dealt with the heart wounds, if we learned how to relationally just connect and confront stuff and covenant with one another, all of a sudden you strip, strip that stuff away from the community. Anything that causes division and separation in the church is a kingdom issue in my mind. You know, kingdom is family and families are a place of acceptance. They're a place of belonging. They're a place of identification. Now again, not that your identification or your, your sense of who you are should be based upon a church, but it's in that place that the, that the truth of the law gets kind of beaten into you <laughs> of who you are and who God calls you to be. What is my identity in Christ? Jesus died so that we would be made acceptable to the law. And that's what we stand on. And we can say it all we want, if, but if I don't believe it, it's not going to manifest in my life. So should we accept rejection or expect rejection, sorry, as part of our lives? Well, yes, in some way, because people are going to reject you. You cannot control someone's acceptance of you. And if you can, then you're manipulating them and controlling them. That's called witchcraft. So stop it. But on the other hand, it's no, because rejection doesn't have to wound you. It doesn't have to blow your world apart when someone doesn't receive you. If I'm accepted and acceptable, then your rejection of me is counted by my acceptance of myself and my acceptance by other people. Because I'm not putting my acceptance in your hands. I'm taking responsibility and so saying, no, no, I'll determine whether or not I feel accepted. Not you, not anybody else. So you love me, you don't love me, that's your choice. I choose to love. I choose to connect. So if my acceptance of you is based upon your performance, you'll never be truly accepted. Jesus accepts us because he chooses us, not based upon our performance. This is the gospel message. It's not about what you did or do. It's about what Jesus did. That's acceptance right there. He chose you. And you just get to respond by choosing him. 
But I believe that Jesus wants to almost like alter and transform our internal world so that acceptance becomes immovable and unshakable. As he transforms our hearts to be so solid, standing on the rock of the truth of what Christ has done and who I am as a son of God, as a child of God. As he heals those rejection wounds, it's kind of like we just become, it's like you can't take that away from me anymore. Because my heart is being transformed. I know the acceptance of God. I know that I'm a child of God. I've come out of orphanhood and into adoption. I'm part of his family. And I'm part of his family, not because I worked really hard to get there, but because he said, Brad, I choose you to be part of my family. I choose to adopt you into my family. And self-acceptance is huge. If our acceptance is dependent on other people's acceptance of us, we'll never feel accepted. Because there'll always be someone in your life that won't receive you as you are. We need a new understanding of what acceptance looks like and where it needs to come from. So how can we help to heal rejection wounds? First one is by creating communities of acceptance and love. A, A visible and tangible environment in the body of Christ that says you're accepted. It doesn't matter how you behave or how you perform. So again, as we chop off the head of performance orientation, it's like, guess what? You can't perform in this place for acceptance. Sorry. Leave that tool at the door. No matter how spectacular you are, we're not going to accept you more because you're good at something. Stop trying. It's really tiring for everyone. So it's not like we don't value people's gifts and we don't honor people and for the work they put into to honing, whatever it might be. It's like, but you're not going to be accepted because of that. And again, it doesn't mean that it becomes an environment of tolerance of sin because, again, your behavior doesn't determine your acceptance. So if you're accepted regardless of your behavior, it means that I can confront your behavior and say, that behavior is sin and we need to deal with that and you don't feel rejected oh my gosh, I've been rejected now because now that some sin in my life has been exposed. No, no, your acceptance isn't based upon your behavior. That really needs to sink in for us, yeah? My acceptance isn't based upon my behavior. So my good behavior or my bad behavior doesn't determine whether or not I'm accepted. And this is the weird thing. How do you have an environment of that that just is so welcoming and inviting and loving and accepting and yet at the same time deals brutally with sin in people's lives? It, we think that they're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. That's often where you get the kind of liberal, like, oh, we just love people. And you're all these people in brokenness and sin and doing all sorts of torrid things. And it's like, that's not love. But it's like, oh, but we've got these people over here. No, you must do this and you can't do You step out of line, you're in big trouble. But both of those are the wrong, they're just the most distorted ends of the spectrum. But there's a place that says you are fully accepted and loved in this place. And yet we will not tolerate your abuse and we will not, I mean, we'll tolerate sin, because God does. God tolerates our sin, okay? But his, his whole intent is up, but I'm, I'm, we're, we're going to fight for your freedom. We're going we're to go to war for your freedom, because you're in captivity and bondage, and it's not where you belong. We need to get to the root of any sinful responses that someone may have made. So this is the whole, the judgments, bitter expectancies, inner vows, and these things can be deep. So again, you might go, I don't know, I just, I feel rejected, I'm not sure why. Um, Find, you know, get in contact with, just ask me, we'll get you a prayer ministry session, sit down and the Holy Spirit will, hopefully, I trust, will show you what that is. Like this is the thing for me. And I'm happy to share it, but I had this picture of me lying on my back, like I was like in my mother's womb, but like I was just lying on my back like a beetle with my legs up in the air, okay, just helpless. And I'm like, I'm stuck on my back, I'm helpless, and no one's coming to help me. And I know at that time, and again, I don't, you know, blame my mother for this, but she was going through a lot of trauma because of something that happened to my brother when he was a toddler. He was really badly burnt. He pulled a kettle off and burned himself really, really seriously. And so she then lived, in the months after that, she began pregnant with me, but she lived every day with the trauma of what had happened to my older brother. And the blame, you know, as a mother, she didn't cause it, but, you know, could I have done that? So she would just wake up in the morning and just cry herself awake, essentially, and just cry for a few hours and then get up 
and, and go about a day, and the next day, same thing would happen. Now, again, there's obviously a season where not knowing that I'm even in the womb, not knowing that she's pregnant, okay? So that I'm living with this thing. It's like everything that's happening externally in my mom's heart is this trauma, 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 and yet I'm there in the womb like, hello. Like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't for my mom. It wasn't this beautiful circumstantial experience. Oh, I just get to love of my new son in my womb and, you know, all that sort of stuff. She was in trauma. So the response for me was like, I'm crying out. No one's going to come and help me. No one's going to come and rescue me. So I've just got to look after myself. I'm kind of trapped. And so I made decisions then and throughout my childhood years as to how I would just look after me. Now, again, it didn't make me, uh, there was lots of areas of selfishness in my life that I've walked through. But it didn't make, make me not want to help other people. But then again, your identity gets tied into like, so I'm going to become the opposite of that, and I'm going to try and help everybody. But then you're operating out of brokenness, even though it's good things. So we need to pray for the healing of rejection. So if there's a sinful choice that you made, you need to deal with that. Okay? Otherwise, the wound will just keep coming up again. But when that side of things is dealt with, we just need to pray for people for healing. Pray deep healing into those areas that where the wounding has happened because that wound doesn't belong. Another important thing that we can do to help heal rejection wounds is to enter into covenant relationships. So not based upon agreement, but a choice to endure. That's what covenant relationships look like. And I'm not talking about like deep kind of, um, kind of cultic weird stuff, you know like blood covenants or something weird. I was just saying that, hey, you know what, when it comes to relationship, and this is not with everyone, you don't enter into covenant relationship with every single person, but there'll be people that God will hire and say, I'm going to step into covenant relationship with you, which means that I'm going to fight for this relationship. And even if you do the wrong thing, that's not going to be a, a reason for me to disconnect from you. I choose to be connected. I choose to endure. And I, and I guarantee you, you will forge beautiful, the most amazing relationships you've ever experienced. I've got relationships with people where I'm like, I know they would never betray me. Like to, to be connected to people in that kind of way is, is incredibly stabilizing in your life. <laughs> Are they going to hurt me? Yeah, possibly. But they, don't, they won't reject me because they've proven themselves and I've proven myself to them as we've healed together because that's how it happens. Healing happens in relationships. All right, we're going to share communion together, and then we're going to pray for some of this healing. And the beautiful thing about communion is the coming together. You got the juice, Ribena, in case you're asking. If you want to buy some on the way home, it tastes so delicious. bread um it's actually a pan of the casa if anyone's uh, interested again take a slice home for lunch so i want to read from luke chapter 22 verse 14 and when the hour came jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him and he said to them i've earnestly desired to eat this passover with you before i suffer for i tell you i will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of god and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So in the, in the breaking of bread and the, and the sharing of the representation of Jesus' blood, his body was broken for your healing and for your restoration. But his blood was spilt for the new covenant. And there's that word covenant, that where Jesus chooses you. Where he says, so I accept you now because my blood has been spilt. So you're covered by that blood. You're, you're fully acceptable to God. But God, what about this stuff in my life? It's like, it's not dependent upon your behavior. It's dependent upon my behavior. And my behavior was to die on a cross, 
for your sin, for your healing, for your restoration. But this is, this represents the blood of the new covenant. And I just pray this morning that even as you take this, you know, we're not, um, obviously some traditions in the church, you know, believed about supernatural things that happen to the bread, the transubstantiation where the, where the juice actually becomes his blood or the bread actually becomes his body. But I believe that we don't want to step away from supernatural things that can take place when we share communion together. That God can do a word even as an act of faith, like a prophetic act that you come and say, God, I'm connecting in, I'm receiving my healing and my acceptance. I'm, I'm stepping into and receiving the reality of the new covenant. So even if you're saying, well, I'm a, I'm a born-again believer, but I'm going to prophetically engage with this new covenant reality because in that covenant, God says, I choose you. And I'm just going to receive your choosing of me, God. And I know it's got nothing to do with me and everything to do with you. And it doesn't mean that, well, I, I, God accepts part of you, but not the other part. He accepts all of you, every part. So we're gonna, I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to come forward and, uh, and just break off a bit of bread, dip it in the juice, and then just maybe wait and we'll take it all together. But if you feel like you know, in your life there's just some areas of rejection, some wounding that you would love healing from, I just want you to stay up the front, and uh, our ministry team is just going to pray for you and bless you. Is that cool? Awesome. Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Father, we just come before you at this time, Lord, and we acknowledge that your body was broken for our healing, Lord. That your body was broken for our restoration, Lord. That we can literally be transformed, Lord, because your body was broken for us. It's by your stripes, Father, your broken body that we can enter into healing, Lord. And that's heart healing and physical healing and mental healing, Father. And Lord, we thank you for your spilt blood. That as you held up the cup, it says, this is the blood of the new covenant. This new covenant that I make with you. That you would be my people and I would be your God. And we just thank you, Father, that you chose us in that moment. I mean, you've chosen us long before, as it says in Ephesians, Lord, that you chose us in the beloved before even the foundation of the world. Lord. But that word that you chose us. Father, if, we, if our response is, are you sure, Lord? Me? That you would choose me? And your answer is yes. You're my beloved. So, Father, as we come, we take bread and we... We drink of the wine of the new covenant, Father. I just pray, Lord, that you would supernaturally even just bring a healing, Lord, to hearts. Healing to our bodies, Father. We wouldn't just see this as a remembrance act, Father, but a, a supernatural act, Father. A prophetic choice that we make to receive what you have, Father. And as we, as we drink of the juice, Lord, that it would be something where we'd, we'd fully embrace that new covenant reality, Lord. That we've become your children that we are holy and beloved, that we've been adopted into your family. Thank you, Jesus. We just come forward. You feel ready. Again, if you just hold on to it all, eat together. And if you want prayer, just find a space. Thank you, Father. We just thank you, Jesus, for your broken body and your spilt blood. The declaration, Father, for all of time that we're accepted, Lord. That we're your beloved, God. That we're loved and cherished by you as your children. And so as we eat, Lord, and drink at the same time, Father, that we would step into that reality, God, in a new and profound and manifest way. Thank you, Jesus.
just wondering if anyone, uh, just once we're just going to walk through some prayer for rejection wounds, I just encourage you to come forward if you want to receive prayer. If you're wondering whether that's an acceptable thing to do, then <laughs> you need some prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Well, Father God, we just come before you. and um, First, Father, we want to forgive, Lord, those who um, in our life, whether from a, an early age, Lord, or all throughout our experiences, Father, we just want to come before you and forgive those who rejected us, Lord. And even if we were part of the defilement of that relationship, Lord, they still chose that, God, and we want to release forgiveness to them, Lord, because unforgiveness only keeps us bound, Lord. So we release those people to you, Father, for the ways that they actively or even passively rejected us, God. And we ask your forgiveness, Father, for, for judging them, Lord, for responding in sinful ways to them, God. Father, we repent for the ways that we've rejected ourselves, Lord, where we've not accepted the person that you created us to be. We thank you that you accept us, Lord, and we choose today to say, I choose to accept myself that I'll not look down upon your creation. I'll not look down upon myself and reject myself. I pray, Lord, that you would forge together divided hearts where there's been division even in our heart, Lord, of how we view ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, Lord, that you'd restore that divide, God. And Father, we pray right now, Lord, even everyone across the room, Father, if they haven't come forward, Lord, we just receive healing for those rejection wounds in Jesus' name. And Father, we just pray a release right now, Lord. Heal the deep areas of wounding in our hearts, God. Those areas of trauma, Father. Father, whether it was even when we were in the womb, God, that we experienced some form of rejection, Lord. Some form of trauma, God, that caused us to feel that life is not safe for us. That we're not acceptable to be here. Father, we repent of, of spiritual rebellion, Lord, where we've even rebelled against life. Because life is unsafe and people are unsafe. And Father, we just, I just come in the name of Jesus and I command a breaking off of any spirit of orphanhood, Lord. Break off that spirit of orphanhood, Lord. And we release spirit of adoption come. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the spirit of adoption, Lord. That you adopt us into your family, God. Father, we repent for any way that we just haven't received ourselves, Lord. Or Father, where we've lent on our, our gifting, Lord. Where we've lent on our ability to find acceptance, Father. But the woundings continue to happen in our life. Pray, Lord, help us to let go of our abilities, Lord. Just to receive the acceptance that comes from being. That, Father, you care so much more about our being than our doing. And if we don't receive our being, Lord, you don't want us to be doing anything. Because we're going to do it out of the wrong heart and the wrong place. But I just pray, Father God, that you would heal those areas, Lord. Father, we pray a breaking off of performance orientation in Jesus' name, Lord. Father, tear down that stronghold, Lord. I just command a tearing down of that ungodly pattern of thinking that says I must perform in order to be accepted, Lord. We expose that lie, that lie of the enemy that says that my acceptance is based upon my performance. And Father, we release ourselves, Lord. We step out of that place, God. We come out of agreement with that lie that we must perform in order to be accepted, Lord. And we receive your acceptance, Father. Deep in our hearts, Lord. Deep in our hearts, Father. 
We receive your acceptance, Lord. Even as we ate and drank, Lord, we receive the acceptance of the new covenant, Lord. We we receive the acceptance of the new covenant, Father. And as you declare it, we agree with it, that we are your children, Lord. We're part of your royal family, Lord. That we're accepted. That we are loved. That we're your prized possession, Lord. And you paid a significant price for us, Lord. That we're valuable. That we're not just accepted, Lord, but we're acceptable. We're not just accepted, we're acceptable. Say, I'm not just accepted, I'm acceptable. I'm acceptable. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just release your Holy Spirit. Just continue to move, continue to heal, continue to restore. Thank you, Father. Heal those wounds. Thank you.